Welcome to Died Hard, the comedy podcast that dives deep into your favourite comedian's least favourite gigs and the lessons they've learnt along the way. I'm your host, comedian Ben Owen, and I'm here to teach you the most valuable lesson in comedy. If you're not laughing, you're learning. Join me each week as I sit down with some of the funniest minds in the business, from absolute newcomers to comedy legends. Please give a warm virtual welcome to Tegan Marlowe. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. It's very nice to have someone that is not uh, called after one of the apostles. <laughs> <laughs> I do love to tick that box. I'll tick that box for you yeah. any day. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how have you been, Tegan? How are you? I'm all right. Well, as I just said, I've got this awful cold at the moment, which is not, you know, ideal. Um, yeah. literally been shoving the, I know mean, you're not going to have the video, but this like nasal inhaler stick up my nose because yeah. stars, they're just like us. Um, you know, <laughs> we get colds too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've just been rehearsing for my work in progress show, which is in a week's time. They've only just there started rehearsing. Love that for me. Lo- a lot of the material I've literally never even said before. <laughs> I've, been, yeah. I've, never, I've never performed it, let alone like said it out loud. So yeah, it's uh, I'm very much a night before rehearser. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm really bad for it. I used to be great of like I'd give myself like a month because I was hardly booking anything, mm. and then as that's kind of got better for me, it's very much like oh the gigs tomorrow. I think I should learn what I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh for sure, if it's like you're doing like a new like five minutes or ten minutes, like for sure I'll do it like the afternoon before the gig or whatever. But like because this is like forty five minutes and it's like. Yeah a lot of it half of it I've literally never said I'm like oh it's actually quite a lot I've got to learn (laughs) oh god better start now (laughs) I think that's the thing that uh you know comedy muggles as I like to call them or just regular people Mm. uh I think they kind of no one really gives credit to how long it is to talk for just an hour by yourself (sighs) yeah I've never done an hour even 10 minutes yeah I've started doing more like 20s at the moment and even that I'm actually weirdly though I quite enjoy doing the 20s because I feel like that's a good amount of time. Whereas 10 minutes now, I think the longer you start doing, whenever you go back to doing shorter, you're like, what? Like, if I have to do a five now for like, because a lot of competitions yeah. and stuff, they're like all five. I'm like, what the fuck? How do I say anything in five minutes? Like, and like even like I'm yeah. doing the 10s now, I'm like, oh, I can't get it out in time. Like, it's just too, like, it's too quick. <laughs> but yeah, I've it is booked, a long time to be on stage. I've been trying to book so many like competition slots where... I've, I'm always thinking like because I so when I started I started doing 45 minutes and I've what? worked my way back yeah I'm mental <laughs> that's not normal but how did you start doing what hang on what <laughs> who starts decided, at 45 <laughs> I just decided it was what I was gonna do it was a whole guilt thing where there's no where I live there's no real comedy circuit and so I thought I want to start doing it and I can't let people come and see just you know five minutes and then I'll go so I was like, I'll start on about 45 to an hour. So the first one I did, I was doing that. And then I, I've never done five. And the idea of that is the most petrifying thing ever for me. Because like, I don't know if I can be funny in five minutes. I can be it's funny in 10. Right? I can be funny in 45. I can't be funny in five. It's so hard. Because like, bam, bam, bam. And like, my jokes aren't like that. I'm not like a one-liner. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. there's storytelling there are chapters there's character progression as arcs <laughs> like, yeah on. but like, most of my jokes like two minutes long but but you know what I mean I'm like there's just not enough time 
I think it's the thing if you always get in the mindset of like, I always want at least like five jokes in this. And as soon as someone's got the audacity to suggest that maybe you can only do two, you're like, I can't do it. It's too short. Not acceptable, really. Yes. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> what we're gonna do. The weirdest thing ever is sevens. That's yeah. a thing now. Like some competitions like, yeah, can you do seven? Who's got a seven up their sleeve? Who's like regularly doing right seven? Yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone knows. Like the, the repertoire is like five, ten, fifteen, twenty. That's your yeah. clubs. That's all you need. Who's got a seven just like to hand? That's not. That's <laughs> very odd. <laughs> it's a five minute with a joke. You just want to try. Yeah, it's a little bit of zhuzh, like sprinkled on top. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you, do you remember who like? the first comedian you saw was or what it was that you saw in comedy that kind of dragged you into doing so um first comedian i ever saw that i remember was ross noble when i was like 14 oh, at the, i didn't choose it it was my parents <laughs> this is the thing right i went to this gig it was with like it, so i went to go see ross noble's tour show at the hexagon in reading iconic venue um and it is hexagon shaped, as one would imagine. And um like the octagon in Sheffield. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. What's with all these random shapes? <laughs> like, why couldn't everything be a circle? Anyway, so um went to go see Ross Noble at the Hexagon when I was like, yeah, when I was like 14. But literally it was like my parents got tickets with like their mates and their daughter, who was also my friend, were like the same age. Like, we'd sort of like got dragged along. And I remember it was this tour show called Things. And we were like pissing ourselves that it was called Things. We were like, that's so funny, yeah. like, why? Um I don't really remember much of it, to be honest. I remember there's, he had some one joke about, like, a self-service checkout and scanning, like, his balls, but it was, like, plums. I don't know. But, like, yeah. but I remember being, like, this is cool. But, like, I wasn't that interested in it. Like, and obviously, like, every Christmas, like, my uncle would crack out the, like, Michael McIntyre DVD, you know, or, like, Lee Evans. He'd always get, like, a DVD because yeah. he loved a bit of comedy. So he'd always, like, crack out a DVD on Boxing Day. And I always watched it. And I, but I never watched it and thought, like, oh, this is something I want to do. But I think it's just because it was always men. And I was, yeah. like this isn't really something the women do. And then obviously like Sarah Millican came along and like Catherine Ryan. And I was like, Oh, okay, cute. But like, I, I don't know. It just wasn't really like drawn into it until um, like, so a friend of mine, Helen Bauer, she started doing it and she was like amazing at it. Obviously she's like killing it. And then um, my my brother was like, he's really good friends with Helen. He was like, you should, you should do this. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like, and I think part of me was just like, Oh yeah, I do want attention. And like, I can't sing. So, like, what does that leave me with? You know, <laughs> I yeah. haven't got any musical ability. So, how else am I going to get up on stage and, like, be the centre of attention? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm very much the same. My brother's really musical, and I've always, always wanted oh. to just have, like, one instrument I'm great at. And I'm like, right? actually, I'll just I'll tell jokes instead. But he's funnier than me. So, it's uh, even that's not worked <laughs> out for me. <laughs> no, sure. But can he do it on stage? Because that's a very different thing. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it is one thing to tell a joke in the pub, it is another to do it on stage in front of, like, 50 men that hate you so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was kind of what I yeah it was weird oh yeah I just wasn't really that into it but I, yeah I just oh, I, I wish I could sing honestly that would solve so many issues I feel like being a singer would be so much more dignified <laughs> just like do you think I'd be if happy. overnight if overnight you just became a great singer do you think you're quitting comedy and just Oh my god, if I could sing, there's fucking no way I'd be here. If I could sing, I would be in Benidorm (laughs) doing a residency as like an ABBA tribute act. (laughs) I think you might be the only. You might be the only person on the podcast that has made out that uh, doing comedy is a really a last resort for them. (laughs) It's all I I have to be here. I just have to be. I just simply have to. It's all I have left. (laughs) To be fair, I do like making people laugh. I've always liked making people laugh, so makes sense. 
I, uh, weird, weird flex is I recently worked with Brian Blessed. Oh, I'm filming a TV advert with him. Uh, Amazing. I'm, yet, I'm filming it. But, uh, he was he was talking there like he's a very captivating man like he's exactly the person that you expect that he would be uh and he had said during that like i was talking about like how he got into to acting and everything and he was saying like it is all that he has and he's an artist at heart and if nothing else he has to create and that's just the thing that he has to do and i think it's very much that thing of like i can't sing i can't dance i can't play instruments I can tell jokes, so I have to tell jokes. Yeah, like I have to do something, you know. I'm like, I yeah. can't. My whole life can't just be like going to a desk job, then coming home. And like, fair enough if that is your life. Like, good for you. I, I envy you. I wish I could just be happy with that. But like, yeah. I'm so insatiable. I'm like, no, I need to be like special. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, and I think like, so then that's how I kind of got into. It. Well, where the reason I directly got into it was because my ex boyfriend did comedy well he still does but he doesn't really do stand-up anymore he does like sketch stuff now but he um at the time he was doing stand-up and I went to go with him to a gig I went to go watch him at like an open mic night and like yeah. I mean the standards was low let's be real that was it it was shy <laughs> like, yeah. it was like it was this one in London where there's like 20 people and everyone's doing fine but it's like some of the some of it wasn't even comedy it was just bizarre like I was just like this is mental yeah. like, what what is happening like a lot of people died on their ass but it was fine. Do you know I mean, like, they died their ass, but like no one was heckling them. It was like a safe space, and I was like, yeah. do you know what? I could fucking do this." I was like, "I could do this." So then he was like, "Yeah, you should do it. You should do it." And he was—he gave me all the details, and he was like, "Yeah, sign your name up for next month." So I was like, "All right then." Put my name down. Gave myself a month. So then I had a deadline. I was like, "Right, I'm gonna write my little five minutes." Did it, and then um. And then at the time, well, I think they still probably do it now, but it, it was—it's this gig. It's called Comedy Virgins in London in Stockwell yeah. in South London and it's a lovely little room it's like got this little stage like a red curtain it's a bit like cabaret vibes and um at the time they did this thing well they might still do it now I don't know I'm talking about it's like a historic event well in those days it was like 2018 <laughs> but yeah. anyway they they would do this thing where like you like the audience at the end like clap they have like a clap off like their favorite act and then oh, the winner yeah. gets like a little plastic trophy from like Poundland. And so it's my first ever gig, but I won the little trophy and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be live at Apollo. Yeah. So I was like, amazing. And then literally so my second gig was, I went back there again the next month and died on my ass, which was good. I needed that. I needed to be humbled. Yeah. <laughs> Someone has to, to pull you down. It has to happen. Yeah. But I'm glad that first gig went so well, because I think if it hadn't, I'd probably been like, oh, whatever. And I like, sacked it off. But I think it's only because like, it went so well and I had that validation and I was like, oh yeah. fuck, like maybe I am good. I mean, it was awful set of looking back now. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like my five, when I first started in London was horrific. It was like, I'm a hoe. Like what? It was like, who is this? Like, I'm not a hoe. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it was terrible. But, um, but yeah, I was like, well, people obviously like something about it. So I was like, I've got to keep going. And then, yeah, you know how it is. You fall down the wormhole, don't you? And Facebook, get joining all the groups and, signing up to all the gigs and I was like yeah fuck it and I, but I've been doing fives for about a year in London it was yeah. tragic like I just think all the time I wasted like if I'd moved up north sooner because up north you just progress so much quicker and you can do tens and whereas in London yeah I was like I was scraping by just doing like well I was still doing like three gigs a week or whatever three or four gigs a week but they were all just fives it was just and like bringers just like bring a friend and it was like yeah dire that's it I think it's the the common theme is that 
everyone that I've spoken to that's like, yeah, I do comedy like in the north of England is like, so I'm doing my first hour show, I've been doing comedy a year. And yeah. then everyone you talk to that does it in the south is like, yeah, occasionally I get booked for five minutes, but everyone in London does comedy as well. So you compete with everyone. Exactly. That's the thing. I feel like there's too much supply and not enough demand. That's the thing in London. Yeah. And that's why they have so many bringer nights. I do kind of get why they have to do them because otherwise there wouldn't be an audience because who's going to an open mic comedy night when you've got everything else in London to compete with? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but yeah, it was shy having to like bring my mates along. It was just awful. Well, especially when you're like first starting something and you're not good at it. But you have to do it in front of your friends. Like, yeah. hell, what was I thinking? <laughs> I always yeah. think open mics, I I don't know what it is. As someone that, like, does comedy more now, I always kind of think, like, I'm not going to go to one of them. But I always right. think you maybe are going to see something a lot funnier than that you'll see at, like, a new act, new material night. Mm. When it's like, because I think you even, you'll see funnier fails at an open mic night then you will like you know if if you go to to a new act new material because then you've got to be oh, nice yeah. and you'll be like but yeah because that's the thing. Is just, how dare you think you were good enough to do this we're gonna boo you off the stage well this is the thing in london i, I feel like the audiences are much nicer that's yeah. what i will say audiences down south are quite like polite i feel yeah. Which isn't, which is like kind of a, you know, blessing and a curse because it's like they're really nice, but sometimes they'll be like too nice. They're just quite polite and they're sitting there like mm, just like enjoying it, like they'll yeah, smile. Good story, and like, good story. You're like, I need <laughs> volume from you, please. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. Whereas fucking up north, it gets rowdy, as you know. But uh, <laughs> well, I don't know because yeah, you get your open mic nights, which is like, well, the traditional, well, you show up and go up, which doesn't really yeah. happen much in the UK. I think that's quite an American thing. But then. I feel like Jordan brought it to Manchester because he's Canadian. And he was like, you guys don't have this. And he like brought it. And then actually that was amazing because it opened the doors for so many new yeah. people. But in London, I feel like they have open mics, but you still have to like sign up in advance. Do you know what I mean? You still have to like sort of be booked on it. But I do feel like a lot of them, they will just literally book anyone. And then you just go yeah. and you're like, and there's like 20 acts in one night. And like, yeah, half of them, you're just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, yeah. you just never know what you're going to get. Which is quite fun, to be fair. So actually, I feel like that's probably why my friends kept coming back because they were like, "We love coming to these weird nights. <laughs> like, yeah. It's entertaining." Because they didn't have to do it four times a week, so they were just like, "This is great." <laughs> but yeah, I feel like uh, one of the the worst gigs that I've had was alongside someone who it was their first gig ever, Ooh. and I died. Like, there's a video of it, and the woman absolutely hates me. That's in the front row. And she's the only audience member that's on camera. And she's the whole time sat there, just blank face. Like, oh, God. And it's horrible. And I thought, oh, she's going to be like this with everyone. It's fine. This guy gets up after me. He, this is the first ever time he's doing stand-up <laughs> at a pub in the north. And I'm like, this is going to be great. He's going to die. I'll feel fine. He'll absolutely, like, everyone loves no! it. No! <laughs> oh, that's the worst. <laughs> People were really clapping for it and going for it. I don't think they even announced like this is the guy's first ever set. They just really liked this guy who had never done stand-up before and just got up to tell stories that you would like tell in the pub. And they loved That's it. That's mad. And you I just never like... know though, do you? Beginner's <laughs> luck. I mean, I, I know it well, you know, like it happens. But yeah. that is mad. Like, especially in like a pub in the north of England where people aren't like perhaps primed for comedy that's that is the worst though when like you die and then you're like oh it's fine it's just the audience but then everyone else kills and you're like okay no it's me <laughs> yeah you have to like but face the truth <laughs> you always have to kind of be like do they not like me or is the material not good 
It's oh. one or the other, and I don't want to admit to either. <laughs> well, if you do that same material somewhere else, though, and it, and it does well, then it's like it just the chemistry, the stars didn't align. You know, the crowd didn't like the material you were doing, and that's just how it goes exactly. sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, they might not have liked yeah. you, they might not like material, whatever. You know, do it again the yeah. next night and kill. Like <laughs> the joys of it. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Everyone has that story of that baffling bit of material that's really funny that just one night no one got. Yeah. And it's, I think, it, it doesn't matter what level of comedy you are, you could be the best comedian ever and you'll always have that story of like, I thought that went really badly, but everywhere else it's been great. Yeah, that's so weird when uh, that happens, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, that was your first gig you mentioned there was yep. like so deceptively good for a first mm. gig. Um can you tell us then about really the main feature of the podcast, which is the worst gig that you've ever had? Oh, honey. <laughs> I have so many contenders for this. It's not even funny. Like I have yeah. so many. I don't even know where to begin. Um, okay, I'll start with the most recent one I had that was terrible, which was, um, do you remember like a couple of months ago and it snowed and yeah. the M62 got closed? Anyway, basically, I had a gig in like it was like towards Sheffield region, so I had to drive over the M. Oh God, I had to drive over the M62. Had to drive, yeah, over the peaks, and yeah. it was I was not I wasn't getting paid, which is a bit cheeky because I was doing like a middle spot and it was like a pro gig, but they just weren't paying the middles, which is a bit cheeky. But anyway, I was I was like whatever, you know what? I, like, I like this promoter, and it was fine. And I was driving in another one of the acts who was really nice. I was like cool, happy to do a car show with him. Let's do it. In Manchester, obviously, gets no snow because the floor's so fucking wet because it rains all the time, right? So I was like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. There's no snow. What's everyone talking about? As soon as we get onto the motorway, it's a fucking blizzard. We're, like, fighting for our lives, trying to get to this gig. We're like, oh, my God. We're, we're so late because I literally had to drive, like, 40 miles an hour the whole way. So it was this awful hell journey, right? Like, yeah. it was literally, like, I couldn't even see the lane markings at one point because, like, the, the snow was so thick. And I was like, we're going to die. Like, I was like swerving around like I couldn't see the lanes like it was honestly I was like I was like like Johnny who's in the car with me he was literally having to coach me it was like I was it's like I was giving birth he was like you're doing amazing you're doing amazing I was like, <laughs> like it was like hell I was like why am I doing this why am I getting paid I was like this gig better be fucking good when we get there we got there obviously the show started late so the audience all like pissed off because it's already been like half an hour like a 45 minutes so they're waiting for the show to start they're all drunk as well like waiting for us yeah. to get there get there Johnny goes on he's the opening act he doesn't do very well like, this audience are just like not primed for comedy they're just not in the mood at all so yeah. he bless him doesn't do very well it happens one of the girls heckles him there's, there's this girl these two drunk 23 year old girls it's like one of them's birthday or something <laughs> she heckles him midway through a set literally just like something really awful I can't remember what it was but it was literally just like it was just like it was, it was so bad, it was like a complete insult. Like you're shit. Like, do you know what I mean? Like just something awful. Um, yeah. At this point, the girls should have been kicked out, right? They should have been kicked out in the first break. But no, no, no. I went on. They're still chatting away. They're chatting throughout my entire set. But to make things worse, the promoter then just gets in an argument with them whilst I'm on stage trying to do my set because he's telling them off for talking. But then he's just making it worse because they're just causing this huge scene, having this massive row. Then they literally sat next to the stage. So I'm on stage, I'm literally just like, I'm dying on my ass, obviously. And then I'm just like, should we just watch this instead? <laughs> like, yeah. I, was, I was like, he's staying us. I don't know, has anyone got any popcorn? Like, I was like, what do I say? Like, I physically can't keep talking over them. Like, it's so loud. And then I'm, I'm like, I fucking get through it somehow, get off the stage. Probably comes back on stage after me and starts screaming at these girls, like going off at them, being like, 
you know, how dare you, blah, blah, to the point where the audience were all like, please, can you stop? Like, can you just carry on with the show? Like, it was just, it yeah. was unreal. Like, it was like, he like, he's just so red at these girls. And then he was like, it's, it's the, the, the tension in the room. And he's just like, okay, we'll bring on your next act. So, like, this poor guy had to come on after me and then just do that. Like, and at this point, it was like the blitz spirit. You know what I mean? Everyone was just like, we're going to get through it. Like, there was like, so he actually did really well because I think everyone just felt so sorry for him. And then, yeah. and so bear in mind, I've already driven two hours in this fucking snowstorm. And then to have this shit gig where I can't even perform because the promoter's going off while I'm on stage. And then these poor, these girls, drunk girls, come up to me afterwards and they're like, hey, babe, like, really sorry that like, we weren't being disrespectful to you. Like, we just thought you were really funny. I was like, I don't, I'm not in the mood. I was like, just get me out of it. And then we had to drive two hours back, nearly died in the snow, nearly killed someone on a slipway. Like, it was <laughs> honestly not worth it. Like, I was, to, the fact that I wasn't even being paid, I was just like, this is unreal. Like, I was like, I do yeah. not, th- no way, no way. Um, what, oh, I don't know what I did. Oh, I did, I oh, did a gig in Edinburgh, which was terrible. And um, I don't know what happened. It was really weird. There was like 40, I was doing a split bill show with my friend Aaron. Yeah. And there were literally like about 14 people in the room, which actually for Edinburgh isn't that bad, right? And it was quite a small room in a pub. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but they literally, so we we're both meant to be doing like half an hour each, right? We, Aaron must have done seven minutes. I did 12. Because, <laughs> like, they literally were just like, I, I, I can't explain how it was literally like crickets. Like, they literally yeah. were just like, they just didn't want any of it. And at the end, obviously, I, I went second. So I always had to do like, the bucket speech. And at the end, I was like, so I was about to, okay, I was like, right, okay, that's my set. Like, gonna go. And then you can see I was gearing up to do the bucket speech. Aaron stood at the back of the room. He went, Who's doing this? Like, no, like shaking his head. And I was like, "Don't give us money." <laughs> just like ran away. <laughs> like, it was so bad. But to be fair, Edinburgh audiences are fucking weird. Like sometimes they're really nice. Sometimes they're fucking weird. We had one that was literally yeah. fourteen Danish tourists, and they were like, <laughs> "We couldn't understand anything you were saying." I was like, "Why did you come?" <laughs> like, just so bizarre, so bizarre. Yeah, because the ones where like it's just crickets, you're like, "Okay, it happens," but like, yeah. To come to when you can't even speak English, we were like, what was the thought process? It was just so yeah. bizarre. But I think, hands down, the weirdest gig I've done was when I first moved up north, I did a gig in Bootle. Don't know if you're familiar mm. with Bootle. It's like... Never heard of it. Okay, so it's basically this sort of locale <laughs> on the outskirts of Liverpool, right? Right. The whole gig was just fucking weird. It was in this really shit, like, old men's pub. You know, like a community pub yeah and we got there pulled up in the car there was a two-year-old just in the street running around no parents no shoes I was like (laughs) this child's gonna die I was like no one's I was like and there was this estate next door and I was like trying to like herd this child into the estate I was like is no one watching her like what is going on (laughs) saved a life before I even got in the fucking venue I was like what is this gonna be got in the pub so it, this was like during the COVID era, you know, when things were like yeah. starting to reopen again, but it was like everything was outside. So it was like in the right. beer garden. It's obviously just getting dark. The stage, there is no stage. The stage is a caravan that has been cut in half. That's the stage. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm performing on. That's what we're standing on. <laughs> the only source of light is a bin that is on fire. <laughs> There's a public, as foot, as, of course, there's a public foot bath at the back of the gardens. There's just girls with like their rollers in, pajamas, walking their dogs, just about like, and obviously the whole clientele is just like old men, right? Yeah. We sat on this picnic bench, and there's like my partner was there with me, and this 
a random man who said he was like really good friends with the promoter came and sat with us and the promoter was like oh yeah sorry this is my mate like sorry he's a bit drunk he was sat with us literally fucking harassing us all night going on about how he's going to propose to his girlfriend in a premier in i was like oh lucky girl like just <laughs> just being annoying as fuck right and then it was this whole thing and then he was like smashed and oh and then he was on facetime to his girlfriend like during the show i was like oh my god and in the end i went up and i was literally just shouting into the void to be honest because it was dark and there was this bin on fire i was on his caravan like but it was always like and it was so spread out and out in the open like you couldn't hear any laughs anyway not that i was fucking getting any because it was literally just like 20 old men just in this beer garden and i was just like what is this <laughs> and then it was awful but then afterwards the promoter was like oh yeah like sorry about my mate and that and I was like oh because his mate then continued to like harass me on Facebook even though I didn't accept him as a friend I was like what is this and he was like yeah sorry it's just, he, he's um he is a paedophile I was like what <laughs> what, I was like, what do you mean he's a paedophile what, what do you mean and he was like <laughs> and this will stick with me for the rest of my life he was like um he's like well he's not on time or nothing but he's on the register I was like okay <laughs> excellent that's uh that's well that's fine then <laughs> I was like yeah. great good to know so I fleed bootle as soon as I could but yeah there's just so oh so many fucking weird gigs but yeah a lot of crickets but yeah yeah, yeah. just uh, so many bad gigs so many weird gigs and many more to come I'm sure <laughs> it's a test of how many gigs you're doing really isn't it the more you do the more you're gonna end up eventually flopping. yeah terrible terrible it's- I still remember showing up to a gig once in a pub that I was like, this is going to be dead nice. It's like a really, really fancy place, but was always rammed. And I, they were like, you promote it and we'll share everything. And I was like, that's great because I work in marketing. I'm used to promoting things. It's what I do as a job. So I was promoting it, promoting it. And I was thinking this will be really, really good. It got to the night. I show up. There are people there and I'm like, oh, this is heaving. That's great. I go up to the bar manager and I'm like, great, when am I on? When do you want me? And he went, what do you mean? I'm doing stand-up here tonight. We had a meeting about it. And he was like, well, no one's told me. And I was like, I did. No. We just had a meeting. And he was like, nope. And I was like, I've got your number. And he was like, I don't think you do. So I rang him and it came through. And he was like, oh. Was like, we had a meeting four weeks ago. I've been promoting it. You have been sharing my stories. What? How do you not know about this? And he was like, just must have slipped my mind and so I showed up this was I think it was like four days before Christmas oh so my I was God. just not in the mood because I thought I'd planned like a whole different set and it was one of those random hours that I was doing and so I had written away from my normal show I'd written kind of like it'd have the same underlying theme but all the like, anecdotes would be Christmassy so this would be really fun it'll be really nice and I'll record it and I can put it on YouTube it just did not happen because wow. I got there and like, bleh, bleh, bleh. that's so annoying. That is so weird. He also so promised weird. me that I, I could eat and drink free there for a year since that gig. And I've always been too scared to go and be like, remember oh me? Oh my God, absolutely go. Get your gambling egg and chips. Are you joking? Yes. You are owed it. <laughs> but this is Get like, it's owed. a proper bougie place. They've got a big pizza open. So I want to go and be like, I want a stone-baked pizza and I want it now. Hell yeah, when there's a wood-fired oven in the gaff, you know it's good. You yeah. know it's going to be good. You know it's quality. I was told afterwards. <laughs> I've, been like, I've been talking to some people about that gig and they were like, we've had the same thing with the exact same place. I don't know whether that's something that he just like gets off on. It's like, I'm going to invite a comedian to come to my venue and I'm going to go, never heard of you. 
that is bizarre that is so bizarre I'm trying to think if I've ever had that where like the gig's just I've turned up to a gig and not done it I don't think so it was I think I've definitely I've come close to gigs and just mm. there's been something in my mind that's just been like I'm not doing this gig anymore and just had oh, yeah. to back out just because I could not physically imagine a reality where I did that gig there's been loads of them but then I've also had like showed up and he's like no 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 you he was that's insane kind of that's dream, exactly though. what he sounded like as well he, there are some gigs I've never heard of you <laughs> that is that <laughs> voice <laughs> There are some gigs where I turn up and I'm like, oh, I wish this was cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> there's like eight people. Oh, God, yeah, you know it's bad when there's like eight people and you're like, I once drove all the way to Leeds. That was bad. Which from Manchester, obviously, that's like an hour and a half, like two hours. Paid for the parking, got there and they were like, oh, yeah, sorry, I think we're going to pull it. There's only four people in the audience. And I was like, you fucking joking. I've just got it. That, another four people turned up, though, luckily. And they were like, oh, eight people, that's fine. That's a show. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I'll just go home. <laughs> I've like, always wanted to see like an episode of Live at the Apollo where they just couldn't sell tickets. <laughs> they're just like, let's see who's in the crowd tonight, where they normally pencil some celebs and they're just like, um, you. <laughs> yeah. It's just one man like, I think you're doing really good. <laughs> yeah, you're doing amazing. I saw you on Mock the Week. <laughs> God, yeah, it is dire. But I hope people realise what we have to go through. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been quite good at tuning it out now, like, shit gigs i'm just like no if it's really far away i'm not gonna do it unless it's like a paid thing yeah. or if it's like i know it's good like when you when you start to realize which promoters are good which gigs are good like when i first started there, i was like oh, i'll take anything and then yeah you'd end up in these random pubs performing on open caravans you know <laughs> like, it's, i've i've had similar to you though where i've heard like a promoter's incredible and to be fair i think i'd heard the example that you gave with a promoter that had like screamed at people in the crowd i think i'd heard that story from another act that was there that night well oh but, probably yeah wait yeah. do you want to say it? we can edit it out <laughs> It's I I have a principle that I think is the opposite to every other comedian, which is I will not drink if I'm gigging. Oh yeah, I don't either. And most of the time I'm driving kind of, anyway. Yeah, but I've kind of got to the point now that I notice that almost everyone that I gig with is like hammered, <laughs> and yeah, it's like I, I need to get into a better crowd of people that I gig with. Yeah, once you start doing like, I feel like once you get to like pro nights and stuff, it's a bit better because there's only like four yeah. people on the bill anyway, like three people. So like. And most of the time they're driving or... Yeah, I feel like yeah. people don't... Yeah, I feel like it's very much at, like the open mics and stuff you get, like the people who are like pissed. But yeah. I mean, personally, like I can't... I used to when I was in London, obviously I wasn't driving anywhere. So I would have like one glass of wine before I went on. But um, but now I'm like, nah. Because I'm not going to drive most of the time anyway. But even if I can, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Because I'm like, I'd rather be like sharp. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I always think like, I, I write pretty like meticulous notes of my stand-ups there. Mm. and I kind of like I think if I drink anything I'll even if I lose just a bit of that set once that's gone like the essence of the set then is not going to flow the right way so I just kind of think like I need to be sober and fully concentrated 100% do you write it almost like a script because I know some people just freeform it they'll do like bullet yeah. points but I'm like I need to literally know word for word what I'm saying I, I script it pretty meticulously yes okay oh, the book is not there I, I do it almost word for word and then I'll go through it and I'll record it like mm. a couple of times. And then the more I record it, the kind of the more the words will change. 
Yes, hundred percent. Always, it will work the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you'll change it a bit when when you're actually saying it out loud, and you like change it because like the delivery and stuff, and then you maybe like yeah, change the wording once you hear it spoken. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, we're like the same. That's mad. Because most people I speak to, they're like, oh no, I just do like bullet points or whatever and I'm like how do you remember what you're saying how yeah I need to know exactly how I'm going to word it otherwise I just trip over my words or I'm just like I just word it in a really weird way and I'm like that makes no sense (laughs) I think as well it terrifies me because I've done a few where I've come up with a joke like on the night like while I'm waiting for my set and then I've gone out and I've gone to do that joke and then I've just been like I've forgotten to kind of work out how this flows as a joke because I used to have a joke that I'm like you know very like pro environment and all of that as people should be but I was in Sheffield once and got into an argument with this random man who just absolutely reeked of weed just came up to me while I was on my lunch break at work and I was watching something on my phone but it was sunny so I sat on a bench outside I think I was like watching Taskmaster and he just leans over and he goes excuse me do you people ever just stop to take in your environment? And I looked around and it was in like a horrible place. And when he said you people, he meant young people. We got into this whole argument to the point that he was like screaming at me and then stormed off. I thought nothing of it. The next week, I was watching the news in the morning and they did this whole thing about Extinction Rebellion. The CEO or founder of whatever of Extinction Rebellion was on the news and it was him. No. <laughs> I was, so I had a whole joke where I was like, I'm no longer pro-environment and all right, that. Right, yeah. But like, I'd not, like, I was like, this is funny. It's a great concept. I'm just going to do it. Because I thought of it, I had a gig that night. I was at work in the day, so I couldn't work out the joke. So I just was like, I'll do that joke and it'll work. And obviously I just kind of told this story and it's like, it's funny, but it's not like, ha mm. So after that, I was like, I'm never just free-handed a joke ever again. Never, never. Like, yeah, because I've done, I've done, yeah, I've definitely done the same thing. Well, like, because you're at work all day, and you can't like write it unless you work from home, like me. Sometimes I'll just sneak up here and do it. But like, yeah. if you're in like an office, like you can't just randomly start practicing your stand up, can you? So like, yeah. yeah, it is hard. But you have to just wait until you've done it and you said it out loud before, because otherwise it's just like, yeah, carnage. Yeah. So uh, that that was your worst gig. Um, mm-hmm. If you could go back again, and let's uh, let's put the premise to you that the comedy gods have smiled on you, and they've given you an opportunity to have a complete do-over. So one of those worst gigs will never have happened, mm. but it will be replaced by your dream gig. So you get to pick the lineup, you can choose who MCs it, who's going to perform alongside you. What do you think that gig's going to look like? Oh, right. So I feel like. I've, so am I am I on as well yeah you can be I, we've had a couple of people that have said like it would be big-headed if I was on my dream gig but yeah. I think you know perform alongside people that you love yeah that's what I'm thinking yeah I'm back yourself I think <laughs> I would MC it <laughs> because I'm actually quite enjoying MCing at the moment um yeah. when the crowd is good which the crowd would be for this. This is the dream gig. Like they would all obviously be on board and be like, exactly. Stunning. It's the crowd that you want. Oh yeah, the girl. Even if days. you had in your mind like one or two people from every gig that you've done that you're like, I love their laugh. They reacted well. If you can picture them in your mind, they're there at the gig. Oh they're yeah, so bro. people with good stories, people with good banter. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. In that case, I'm definitely am seeing, and then. I think, uh, so first that would be Stephen Bailey. Fucking love him. He's yeah. so funny. 
I've kicked them a couple of times as well, and I'm always like, ah, because I'm like obsessed. Um, <laughs> I'd have to do Helen as well, Hannah Bauer, because she was like my inspo. It's my fleet gal. We go way back. And yeah, yeah she, she, I look up to her a lot in comedy. And then uh, my all time favorite, Catherine Cohen. I love her. She's like a New York comedian. She does like musical comedy as well, but which is not normally my thing, but like she does like stand up and. She's got a Netflix special. She's got a Netflix special. Yeah, the twist. She's gorgeous. Yeah. She's just like I could just listen to her talk all day. I just love like her vernacular. Like, I can't even explain it, but like I just think she's hilarious. So yeah, I'm obsessed with her. She came to she did a UK tour actually in like yeah. February. I think I went to go see her in Salford, and I was like, I was like in like the front row, like like literally fangirl obsessed. So yeah, she yeah. would definitely be headlining. That would be the dream. Yeah, lovely, great. So the last two little questions, uh, yeah. and these perhaps the pinnacle of the podcast, the most important things. Oh One of them I will use um, to leverage your voice and force people onto the podcast. Uh, and the other is just for me and it's just for fun. Uh, so one of them is, is there a comedian, someone that you know, someone that you love that you'd really like to hear talk about the worst ever gigs that they've had? Oh my God. Well, obviously my favourite comedian and Catherine Cohen, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, she's a very big time, but um Oh, I can get Olga Cock. I can do anything. If you can get Olga Cock, you can do fucking anything. I believe in you, actually. Do you know what? Fair play. <laughs> fucking yeah. Um, she's filming loads of stuff at the moment, I think. But yeah, fucking oh god, I'm literally. Upset. I would, I would hear her opinion on anything. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I would listen to it. <laughs> but perhaps more within striking distance. <laughs> yeah. As I said before, huge fan of Stephen Bailey. So yeah. would love. Oh, yeah, love him. Um, and obviously, yeah, Helen Bauer. But yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, just. Awesome. just all of them anyone in sort of like camp energy is my yes. vibe so yeah i will get them make it happen i will use your voice as leverage <laughs> the like, i'm not who? the only person that wants you on this yeah i'll listen to it so damn it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that was such a weird there'll laugh. at least be two listeners please please come yeah, on please <laughs> me and tegan will listen to the podcast well once you've had olga on you'll get all the bloody listeners in won't you Woo! exactly we're going for fame here <laughs> big time big time so the last podcast it is uh the last podcast the last question it's the namesake of the podcast the most important thing mm. die hard christmas movie yes or no Okay, so this is quite interesting because if you'd have asked me this question like 10 years ago, I would have formulated like the perfect response to it. I would have done all this research. I would have been like, yeah, I I have an opinion on this because yeah. back in the day, I was such a pick me girl. You know what I mean? I was like, do anything to like impress the boys. Yeah. But now that I'm older and wiser, I can truly say hand on heart that I have no opinion on the matter. I truly don't care. Sorry. I've, I've never seen <laughs> Die Hard. I, I know this isn't what you want from me, but I'm... I've never seen Die Hard. I've never seen any of the Die Hard films. I believe there are multiple. I don't. I don't. I, I think Alan Rickman is in it. One of them. He is. Evil sort of Snape. He's a bad guy. Maybe Bruce Willis is in it. Yeah. That, that's all. I. That's. That's all I can tell you. So. But it's set at Christmas time. It's a Christmas party on Christmas Eve, and okay. it ends at midnight, and the snow starts falling, and let it snow by Dean Martin starts. But does it make you feel that's warm and jolly? Yeah, because it's a man who, he's on the brink of divorce with his wife, but through this trauma, through this horrible period, he's brought together with his wife for a big kiss on Christmas Day at midnight, and the snow falls, and they fall in love, and then they get remarried. Then it's definitely a Christmas film. But this is the thing, like, if it had been billed as a Christmas film, I probably would have watched it. But to me, it was like, oh, there's a lot of, like, 
men in buildings. You know, <laughs> they're like running around. There's like there's like guns and there's like. Well, it is about cars. a hostage situation in a building. There's like when the like color scheme is just quite like grey. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. You know, it has like... to be funky and colourful. <laughs> I'm like a magpie. I'm like a child. I don't want to watch things where it's just like men in like grey backgrounds. Like, yeah. all there's lots of like vehicles involved. <laughs> like, it's just not my aesthetic. I'm sorry. <laughs> to be fair, I've hit the point now that I'm, if I see that a movie has the word fast in the title, furious in the title, mm. or it's one best picture, I'm never watching it. It's a no for me. Shit. Yeah, it's, it's a no. It's a no. If there's like, if there's like an explosion on the front yeah. cover, I'm normally like, no. Anything sci-fi, no. See, I'm down for an explosion and some sci-fi. I just oh. cannot abide Fast and Furious. I mean, That's... good for you. Fair enough. There are too many it's... of them. There are too yeah. many. They're doing eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Uh, th- at what point are we going to just start like being original? Do you know what I mean? I feel like all the time it's just like either we're continuing, we're making a fucking eleventh Fast and Furious film, or we're remaking something that was made twenty years ago. Like, it wasn't yeah. that long ago. Let it live. Like I've just been remaking Harry Potter now. I'm like, what? Like the yeah, actors are still really young that? enough to do it. Like <laughs> what? I, I've been so angered by all of that Harry Potter news by the fact that the cast that they've got for the kids are all like fifteen. But it's like they're going to play an 11-year-old boy. Yeah. And they have to do that for seven years. So you'll get to season seven. And it will be more than seven years because they'll have to film it. So there'll be like two-year oh breaks. Oh, God, so It's going to take about 14 years. So eventually, the kid is going to be 29 playing a 17-year-old. Yeah, that's stupid. What, and they I'm didn't think that through at all. Maybe they probably don't think it's going to last that long. <laughs> they're like, I can't see it lasting that long. Everyone the I haters. reckon it'll be a one-and-done. I think they'll be like, we're going to do Fox yeah. of the Stone, and everyone will be like, wow. And then if you get episode one, you'll be like, I do, I do like it. the idea of doing a book as a TV series instead of a film because they did that with a series of unfortunate events, and I was so yeah. into it. I was like, yeah. this is what it deserved. It deserved the space to breathe because when they tried to cram three books into one film, like with a series of, I mean, I don't even know if, like, I'm, I mean, you might not have even seen it, but like, I've seen it. Jim Carrey. Also, Jim Carrey was too comedic to be Count Olaf. I think Neil Patrick Harris was better yeah. because he brought a bit of like creepiness to it. Anyway, this is I, going on a that is the, it shocks me endlessly that that's Neil Patrick Harris. Right, that's every Barney. time I watch it, I'm like, this is yeah, this is this is Barney I know. from How I Met Your this Mother. This is Barney. He should be in the bar, being like, "Hey, have you met?" But Ted? then, like, like, they start. So many of like the cast members are like big sitcom actors that I'm like, they shouldn't be in this. Like Schmidt from New Girls in it. And what? Whole... In, in a series of yeah, events? He, he's in like a season of it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And there's um... and every time I see it, I'm thrown off. Yeah, it's it's yeah, you're right. He's he plays the triplets, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he yeah. plays Dewey Denumont. Frank Ernest and Frank Dewey. Ernest and Dewey. Denumont. Yeah. Oh god, I was so obsessed with the series of unfortunate events. Sorry, that is like my oh I stand. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. So the takeaway from the end of the podcast is that you do not care unless it's a series of unfortunate <laughs> events, in which case you're really invested. Unless it's like orphans being mistreated. I don't care. <laughs> Connect the dots. Connect the dots. Come on now. My life has been changed. 
And that's what I'm here I for. I might never watch that <laughs> film again because it's upset me deeper than it's ever upset me before. Finding but I'm out. so sorry. I'm so sorry. I couldn't answer the question. <laughs> I've, I've just made it worse, if anything. So, wow, you've, sorry. <laughs> you've off-roaded the format of the podcast and just I've... ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've brought something different, so there you go. <laughs> I'm changing <laughs> the game of this podcast. <laughs> Shaking things up. <laughs> no one else has just kind of like... Can't <laughs> rummage through my psyche and just being like, you've got problems. <laughs> <laughs> Those things that you like, why? Why? <laughs> Question it. <laughs> Sit with it for a little bit. <laughs> what we're going to do now before I have an emotional breakdown mm. is uh, I'm going to give you a minute to plug uh, anything that you're doing, anything that you want people to see. Use more than a minute if you want it. Use less. I don't mind. But what is the format? <laughs> well, first of all, I would say, um, please, uh, if, if you've enjoyed me, uh, do follow me on Instagram, uh, tegan.marlow. It's tegan as in vegan. I'm not a vegan, but I did try for like a week, then I gave up. Cause, like, I was like, well, no, I can't. I need to have KFC. But you know what? God I loves a trier. That. God loves a trier. Um and Marlowe is in like the bar is low. <laughs> like M A R O W. Tegan dot Marlowe. Follow me on Instagram. That's where all the updates are. Um, I run a quarterly comedy night at the Frog and Bucket called Fems and Them's, which is just female and non-binary talent. It's stunning. It's iconic. It's gorgeous. So um, yeah, you can follow that on Instagram as well. Fems and Them's comedy. Um, the next show will be on the eleventh of July. So yeah get involved with that um also i'll be doing work in progress shows of my solo show yeah follow me on instagram for all the updates because i'll be doing yeah like work in progress shows and stuff and come fems and thems and just keep supporting live comedy and by extension me thank you and if you didn't enjoy me then um jealousy is a disease get well soon <laughs> yeah, lovely <laughs> uh well tegan thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been a delight having you um I'm sure for, for listeners as well, it's been a lovely break from the Apostles. <laughs> the Apostles. <laughs> keep thriving, Apostles. Shout out to the Apostles. Keep thriving. <laughs> With all your one simple names. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Um, obviously, as Tegan said, check out all those links. They'll be in the show note below. Uh, you can listen to us every single week with a brand new comedian, exactly where you're listening now. Uh, but thank you for listening. Uh, share the podcast and tell Tegan how great you think her episode was. Uh, check out Fems and Thems.